0: Welcome rally caps on we have a very special guest today we have Trevor Williams Uh, he hails from Arizona State drafted second round by the Marlins and recently just signed this offseason with the Chicago Cubs and he is in spring training right now and we are fortunate enough to get to connect with him and ask him a little bit about uh, what he's up to so Trevor um, so I I have a question I was reading through your on Wikipedia just because i I'm a great journalist and I do all my research through Wikipedia. It says when you were traded to the yeah. pirates, you were part of a deal that was for the director of pitching development. Did I, did I read that correctly?
1: Yeah. So it's funny. Wikipedia sometimes, um, sometimes. sometimes has truths and lies and like half truths. Um, so when I was traded to the pirates, um I was officially traded for this uh, minor leaguer named uh, Richard Mitchell. And at the time, I was one of the Marlins' top prospects. And Richard Mitchell from the Pirates was like a 17-year-old kid that was playing in the Dominican Summer League. So it looked like a really weird trade. Um, Like, it made me look like I was like a jackass. It was like, what's wrong with Trevor? Like, why did he get traded um, to the Pirates? Um, But it was – yeah, well, it just, it looked strange on paper. It looked strange. And then, um, the next day it came out that, um, it was officially for Richard Mitchell, but unofficially it was because the Marlins, um, grabbed two like front office personnel from the pirates and like in exchange for those two people, uh, they, they were given a list of like five or six players. And so you could have one of them and then the pirates chose me. So, um, I'm thankful for it. It is a unique trade. Um, It's a unique uh, kind of thing where that's happened. I think it's only happened a handful of times. I know Ozzy Guillen was traded for a player um, when he was a manager. Something weird like that happened too. Um, So hopefully it never happens again. Hopefully when I get traded or if I get traded, it's for uh, uh, a major leaguer, (laughs) you know, and not a uh, and not a director of pitching personnel. Yeah. Who like who and he didn't last. He didn't last with the Marlins. Like maybe like a year or two, and then he got fired. So it was kind of like a really strange trade.
0: Yeah, looks like the Pirates uh, came out on the on the long end of the stick there. They got an awesome pitcher out of you. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about free agency this offseason, and uh, what was that like? Because that was your first time doing it. So how, what was that experience like?
1: Um, so I became a free agent two years sooner than I thought I was going to be a free agent um i was designated for assignment essentially non-tendered um and what happened was for the first like 3 weeks of my free agency there was a lot of traction um we had at the end of the day looking back on it we had about like 17 teams on me um and that's at various levels of interest um of those 17 teams who knows were real a lot or just doing their due diligence and saying hey we like you. Would you do this? Or would you sign for this? Or what are you looking for? So we had um, those teams call in. And for the first couple of weeks, it was very, um, we thought my free agency was going to be very quick. um, Just because we were letting teams know, like we want to sign quick. We don't want to be waiting this thing out. Um, We didn't know what the market was going to be like. um, Because of a COVID season, we didn't know what um, how that was going to Entail and carry through the the off season, so we um, we just made it known to teams that we wanted to sign quick. There was a couple things. There were a couple teams that we thought we were we were going to sign early, and then something happened, um, and it didn't work. And then it just prolonged, and it was It was like a good four week period where it was just like kind of radio silent, and we were just watching we were watching other guys sign and it was kind of setting my market, which was, which was fine. Um, but for me, I was just banging my head against the wall. Like I knew I was going to get a job eventually, but I just wanted to know, cause I wasn't in a position, like I wasn't in the driver's seat really to like be demanding a lot of money or be demanding, like, this is what I want. I was really um, looking for opportunity more than anything. And um, for like four weeks it was radio silent. And then like the last two weeks, was crazy um, because I was close to signing with a team and then um, something happened in their front office. There were some texts sent and that slowed things down. And then um, that bought me like a week for other teams to start talking to me as well. Um, so the last the last week was crazy in terms of like, which teams were on me, how close we were to other teams and um, at the end of the day, I really wanted to be with the Cubs. Um, that was, it's always been a dream team of mine to end up on. And um, they were, they were one of the teams from the beginning that was on me. And they were one of the teams that, um, that kind of stepped up to the plate at the end of my free agency where um, they asked what it would take. And we told them this is what it would take. And they accepted it. And I'm thankful that they did.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. With, with this off season being so strange with COVID and all that, it it was probably, probably much harder to get, get things done. Like you were mentioning, you know, it was uh, there's shortened stats and it doesn't really show the full picture of the entire, the entire situation. So I'm sure a lot of teams are struggling with that, but that's, that's a cool story. I like, uh, are are you excited as far as Chicago? What, I mean, you've, since you've been in the division, what's, what's your favorite part about Chicago? What are you going to be doing when you're, when you're there?
1: we're still like in a bubble, right. In a quote unquote bubble. Um, so we can't really go out and explore the city, but it is one of like, it is one of my favorite road trips when everything's opened up. It's such a rad city. Um, there's a lot of great places to eat. There's a lot of cool museums to check out. There's a, it's, it's a good walking city. Like the downtown area is a really good uh, place to kind of just poke around and walk. And it's something that um, it's something that I'm going to miss because now that I'm a player there, it's something that I want to take full advantage of the city, but because we're still in a bubble, um, a loosely termed bubble, but um, we're just being smart and as, as careful as we can because now we know like how fast COVID spreads. And last thing I need to do is be the new guy bringing COVID into the clubhouse,
0: right. getting yeah. 10
1: guys positive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the clubhouse uh, on the days that you pitch, are you, are you a superstitious guy? Are you like headphones in, not talking to anyone completely in the zone? Or are you still loose, having fun? What's your, what's your pregame routine? Like before you go pitch that day?
1: Uh, for me, I am, um, I would say my personality is a little different on my start days. Um, the main thing is like, if you don't have anything really like of substance to say, like, don't talk to me. Right. Um, but I'll talk to my catchers. I'll talk to our pitching coach. I'll talk to our advanced scouts and, and, and go over our game plan. But, um, I, throughout my career, it's changed. It's kind of fluctuated. It's, um, when I get to the field, I need to turn my brain on. And one way for me to turn my brain on is to either be like a crossword, do a Sudoku puzzle, play cribbage, something, something to get my brain on. And for that first like hour or two while I'm at the field, I need, um, like loud music in my ears, like high, high uh, BPMs and get everything like going. It's where I'm creating a uh, an environment in my head where like there's chaos happening, but I also have to keep my brain on and do this Sudoku puzzle or do this crossword puzzle. And that helps me turn my brain on instead of trying to like, do it immediately like at first pitch. So once that happens and once I get once I get going, like with my routine, like an hour before the game or like 90 minutes before the game, then I slow it down music and just get into like a, a body rhythm knowing that um I've already turned my brain on, turned my my body on that way. Trevor, I wanted to I want to follow up on something you just said there. So I did some uh I did some intel. Uh that music I, I've been told that you're a big screamo slash metal guy. Is that is that true? Yeah, I love metal. I, I sc- identifying it as, as screamo is uh, maybe you're misidentifying it. But um, okay. but, uh, but uh, Come on, uh, it's uh, like screamo. Well, screamo always has like that negative connotation. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. Hey, don't get me wrong. I have I have there are some screamo songs that are a little nostalgic for me. there there are songs that really uh, they bring it home. But uh, but yeah, I love metal, dude. Love um, I've always loved. Um loud, fast music. I've always like the first time I heard a guitar tuned down and kind of like chugged along with it, like that's something that's always like I've loved. So very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'll have to give our buddy uh T Allen. He he's the source behind the Screamo, so I'll I'll talk to him about that for sure. That makes <laughs> well, sense. Well, I that we're, we're, we're gonna <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna have to do uh we're just gonna have to get our vocab words down. You know, it's not, it's like not necessarily Screamo, but it's in the same genre do you have a do you have a favorite like last song that you'll listen to before you i guess get out on the field and start your routine or it, like are you yeah. not systemized yeah the last song i listen to before i go out is omerta by you know my god so like i'll go yeah. super high super high music like loud fast pace and then i'll slow it down and then just kind of get my body in a rhythm with like slower music and then uh, right before i head out there i'll spike it with one last song very cool
0: have you ever, like when you first went out there in front of 50,000 fans, did you feel the difference or did you know as soon as you got on that mound that this is where you belong and this is this is what I'm, I'm meant to be doing here?
1: Um, a, a little bit of both. I think the first time I was like kind of starstruck um, was like my first day in the big leagues in Pittsburgh. I've never been to Pittsburgh before. Um no, this I knew the stadium was beautiful, but I've never been there because I didn't I got drafted by the Marlins. So I've I signed at Miami Stadium, but it was big it's a big empty dome. But then I I never had the opportunity to go to PNC Park. Um so like when you drive into Pittsburgh, um you like we came from Indiana. So we were coming, we were driving East and you had to go through a a mountain. So it's like all like farmland. And then you drive through the mountain. And then as soon as you get through the mountain, it opens up to this giant city. And I remember like my wife and I driving, we, we didn't, we like saw the GPS that we were like five minutes away from Pittsburgh. And we were like, there's no way because we're still in a bunch of like farmland. Right. And then as soon as we, as soon as we went through the tunnels, the Fort pit tunnel, as soon as we came through that, it opened up it was like unbelievable like where we stopped talking we were just like holy crap like this is unbelievable and then um just stepping foot on the field and kind of looking around and um PNC has that stadium feel where um you get the vibe from the city and you get the vibe of like it's still like three tiers straight up so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of seats there um and then like one of my first starts in the big leagues was was at Dodger stadium and I gave up a grand slam and it was like the loudest I've ever like experienced as a player, like just a loud stadium experience. Um, but you always have to like remind yourself and you never lose sense of that awe that like, no, you're in a, you're in a big stadium. You're not on some, you know, single A field in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, I mean, I, I think that would almost be like a- like a little notch on the belt you know giving up a granny in dodger stadium would would be on like my list of actual <laughs> you know like that would be that would be pretty epic
1: yeah not 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 of the time <laughs> not at the time i gave up a six spot in the first inning; and it wasn't good yeah. but but they didn't send me back to the minor league, so i was thankful for that <laughs> exactly Trevor. who hit the grand slam chris taylor is an o2 slider Oh and it was like one of those, no. okay. it was like one of those pitches out of the hand where like I knew I hung it, um, yeah. but it was loud.
0: Yeah. Do you have, <laughs> do you have a certain, like a batter that you face that like, there's a guy where you're a little starstruck or you've been in the, in the moment with it and you're just like, I can't believe I'm actually pitching to this guy or is it just give me the sign the way? <laughs>
1: Uh there there were like two instances where this kind of happened where uh my first big league batter was Yadier Molina. Um so that was really cool. Um to have my first batter and it was like ninety-five, about as middle middle as you can get, like center cut. And he hit it and then it was an E9. It was like the, it was in the right fielder's glove and out of the right fielder's glove. And it was like that's a nightmare that I had like my first batter was my first batter was supposed to be a one pitch out, but it became a one pitch E9 double. Um but but if that didn't happen, he he ended up scoring, and then they tied the game. So I ended up getting the win because of it instead of the hold, which was which was cool. But um, the second time was it was my rookie season again, and we were at Bush Stadium, and um, it was the last day of the year, and it was um, what's his name, um, Matt Holiday. It was Matt Holiday's last at bat in the St. Louis Cardinals uniform. And there were, Bush Stadium was packed. It was however many people, like got 50,000 people. And they stopped, like everyone cheered for him. I had to step up the mound, obviously, because like he deserves it. And it was the first time in my career where I was like, this guy's not going to get a hit off me. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the guy that like, they keep playing over and over and over again like his last hit as a cardinal was a homer and it's like it's off me yeah and i was like the first i was like pissed i was like now nah, you've had your moments like this isn't gonna be your moment i think he ended up like or... popping up to like the second basement yeah so but other than that like dude like everyone is um you know everyone there there are hall of famers that are playing right now but like you don't like let it get to you right um Um, and I like, I wish I told a bat boy, like, go and grab it. You know, like, I was like, hey, like, go get his bat and put it in my locker because it's broken and he's not going to use it anymore. Um, like, that would have been a cool thing to have. Uh, I broke Nelson Cruz's bat last year and, like, he's a potential Hall of Famer. And I told our bat boy and he, and he grabbed it and put it through to my locker and uh, just like it's cool stuff like that. But, um, you know, you're doing that to guys that you know are going to be the Hall of Famer, have had like perennial, like, all star careers
0: for sure that's a that's an awesome perk there that's that's pretty cool do you got a sweet uh, memorabilia collection or how do you how do you go about uh do you collect a lot of that stuff or you do jersey signings and all that
1: uh i i had not many jerseys i like doing um cuz that's kind of lazy you know what i mean like having like a signed jersey by like a teammate's kind of lazy i like having signed stuff uh, that like of hobbies that they like so for example i've got like um, Dave Freeze is a big rock fan, and he loves the band Tool, and I love the band Tool. So I got um, a Tool album, and I had him write his favorite lyric and sign it. So like, I have a Dave Freeze signed Tool record instead of like a Dave Freeze signed jersey. You know, that's cool, but um, yeah. but but like, it's unique to have a, a to have that. Um, I play Magic the Gathering; it's a, it's a card game, and so does Joey Votto. So like, I have a Joey Votto signed Mountain card, and like, that's cool instead of like a Joy Votto signed jersey. to it um but i like just unique unique stuff like that
0: for sure that's awesome yeah that'll be a, that's who's,
1: it? who's better at magic uh you or, or uh joey we've never we've never played together but we have um but i have seen his collection <laughs> i've seen his, some of his cards um, and we talk about it whenever i get a hit in the in the infrequent times that i get a hit and get to get on first base to talk to him Nice. That's awesome.
0: So yeah, speaking of some of your hobbies, what would maybe, maybe not a hobby, but what would your other profession be if, if baseball wasn't, wasn't an option for you? If something, if let's say things didn't go how they've shaken out so far, if, if you were to like, what would you be doing right now if you were not playing baseball?
1: Yeah, I think there's a, like, I could take that question like a little further, like, if I didn't have baseball in my life ever, I would have taken school a little more serious, right? Like I knew, I knew, have, I, knew yeah. I was going to go to college to play school. <laughs> like I knew, I knew I was going to college to play baseball. Um, I knew I was getting into college because of baseball, and then I knew I was going to play professionally after college. So I didn't apply myself as much as I could have. Uh, but granted, like I was also an athlete in college, so like I had like a lot of time designated to practice and games versus like my homework and study hall and whatnot. But, um, but I got my degree from Arizona state in, uh, United States history. So I would love to be a teacher when all is said and done. Um, I still love studying history. I still like keep up with it. Like I subscribe to a service that like, I get college lectures on my phone, um, of like history of philosophy of religious studies. And that's something that I, I want to do when I'm, when I'm done. Um, is if I play for 10 years, who knows? Um, but, um, but we'll just see. So that's if, but if I were, if baseball wasn't in my life, I don't know what route I would have gone. Like in school, um, my dad is an attorney and it's something that I've always loved to do or like thought I'd love to do, but I saw how much work it took. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to stick with baseball and, and ride that out. Um, But if baseball wasn't part of my life, then maybe I would have gone that route.
0: Nice. Are you a big TED Talk guy?
1: Um, Sometimes, sometimes some the the, honestly, like TED Talks have kind of been saturated with like the same message um, for like the last couple of years where like um, these to always be like so in depth and so like um, unique. But now it's just kind of saturated with the same like same, like, I don't want to say BS, but just like, it's just, it's just saturated now. And it's not as, it's not as unique as it used to be.
0: For sure. Yeah. I'm not a huge TED talk guy, but that's, I've, I've heard that from, from multiple people. Uh, I'm going to pivot a little bit. I want to ask you about project 34 and how that kind mm-hmm. of came to be. Could you, could you give us a story of that and what you guys are up to now?
1: Yeah. So Project. on pro a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was started by uh, myself and a couple buddies, and myself, Corey Hahn, and a couple buddies from, from ASU. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with Corey Hahn and his story, he was at Arizona State the same time uh, we were, same time that um, our buddy T. Allen was, was there, and he, um, he broke his neck sliding into second base when um, in our second game as freshman. Um, he was a baseball player that was on shit in college. Like he should have been drafted higher. Should have been in pro ball. But he told teams that he wanted to go to college. So he was at ASU as a super top prospect. He was a starting center fielder as a freshman on his way to a career. Um, and in his second game, stole second, slid head first and, and, um, slid into the, uh, the second baseman's knee and, um, broke his uh, C5 vertebrae. So since then, he's been a, um, uh, quadriplegic and he is, um, now like years later, he's working in the front office of the diamondbacks. But, um, but at the time, uh, we were still going to college together and we were seeing him go through his, uh, go through his recovery and his, and his rehab. And, um, he was surrounded with a lot of good dudes, especially the guys at ASU. And he was, he had a lot of support. So, Years later, um, we asked him, we asked Corey, like, what is the biggest thing you see as in the spinal cord injury community? It's, is it a lack of funding for people? Is it a lack of um, therapy? Is it a lack of uh, support? And he said, really, all the above. So we started Project 34. 34 is his uh, was his number at Arizona State. And we started this to help raise funds to provide grants to families that need them that need it. As far as, uh, we've gotten people wheelchairs, we have done home renovations, we have fixed cars, we have, um, done really a lot, a lot of stuff, provided grants for a lot of people getting the rehab equipment for the house. And then, um, we're also starting support groups where, um, uh, people can come together in a spinal cord in the SCI community and, and, uh, talk about their injuries, talk about their, um, the rehab process because it's so monotonous compared to like a an ACL injury, right? Like if you get an ACL injury month three, you're strengthening your quad month four, you're starting to walk a little bit month five. And by, by the time you're at month nine to month 10, you're out of there walking and it's all good. But with a spinal cord injury, it's so, um, different for everybody. And the higher the injury is, the more severe it is, the more it affects certain organs. And then, um, it's just a long process where like it could take you 3 years to scratch your nose instead of you know and that's a huge step for some for some people. So um so we're we're in our 4th year. We're in year 4 and we have uh, provided um about $60,000 worth of um of grants to people um that are that are super in need. Um we have a golf tournament every summer or every uh, excuse me every winter. Um, We've been doing home run derbies like charity home run derbies every winter as well um, as fundraisers. And you can see around the around the MLB um, guys wearing Project 34 shirts that um, that are in their team colors to to show support.
0: Yeah, that's huge, man. That's that's pretty incredible to hear that uh, you've used you've used your resources to to be such an incredible human and and give back to the community. That's that's pretty cool to see. Okay. Is there a, a website that we can go to to kind of kind of check out what you're doing and, and contribute for our listeners?
1: Yeah, so the our website is www.project34allspelledout.com. So it's P-R-O-J-E-C-T thirty-four T-H-I-R-T-Y. It's awful. Like we're we're working to get project number thirty-four. <laughs> um there's there's like someone those
0: domains aren't easy to come by i know that
1: someone yeah someone owns that domain and we've been trying to get it and there's like a there's like a certain time limit like if they haven't responded in x amount of days and it's like every time i like tell somebody that's my email like i have to say like it's all spelled out so www.project34allspelledout.com so that's where you can you can stay up to date you can sign up for our email newsletter etc
0: yeah, we might need to start a little uh, boots on the ground uh, effort here and get you get you guys that website so you can make that a little easier. We'll, uh, I'm sure we got some got some tech savvy guys. Not not me myself. I'm I can barely run this microphone and internet here, but we'll we'll try to get that taken care of for you. We'll we'll figure out how to uh, how to get you that 34 website. But uh, all that you do hey, is thank pretty you. incredible, man. Um, thank you. Do you have any questions for us? I know we you, you didn't come on here master uh ready for any but do you have any questions? For us? <laughs>
1: um well I want to know who your favorite cub is. That's that's my biggest question. Who's your yeah. favorite cub?
0: Second favorite cub. You're obviously my you Besides slid right into right in the first spot there
1: <laughs> besides myself.
0: Before then I'd have to go Javi Baez um, just the flair, yeah. the hands and the the bat speed is probably the most attractive part of him he is unreal Mm -hmm. the way he the way he whips that thing around
1: who who
0: on who on the cubs uh hits the farthest home runs in beeps off
1: me off me anthony rizzo Rizzo. (laughs) in in bp though who's who's,
0: you seen launch the furthest
1: um uh i mean everyone can bop and like at Wrigley Field I haven't seen them I haven't seen them from like a Cubs perspective I've always seen it from a pirate perspective but like watching them take BP at Wrigley Field they just make the stadium look so small and it like it flies when the wind's blown out it flies and it's oppressive. Um, it's funny like when I first came to camp like I've been pitching against these guys for four seasons and it's like we know each other but we don't like know know each other and it's been funny like sharing like how I would pitch certain guys and how they attacked me as hitters and just sharing different stuff like that um has been fun uh, and I'm just thankful that we're teammates now because they gave me problems for for a couple of years
0: <laughs> yeah that that's cool what you mentioned there about the insight that you can kind of share with your new teammates and kind of help each other like understand what their weaknesses are and what the other teams like point out as their weaknesses have, have they said anything to you that's changed your game and your style of, of how you attack certain batters yet or we still,
1: uh, a we little still bit at the beginning phases? like well a little bit at the beginning because last year i've changed like totally how i pitched, like pitch sequencing um and we thought it was going to be good and it ended up not working out but um but they asked me they' like why did you why'd you throw away this pitch? Why'd you throw away this pitch? And I just explained it to them and they are like, yeah, that was, that was probably dumb. And I go, yeah, it was dumb, but now we're teammates. Yeah. At least they can <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, when I, like when I talk to guys that want to know like how I attack them and how like the pirates attack them um, it's not like profound stuff, you know, like guys know what their weaknesses are. Guys know, um, certain pitches they can't hit or can't hit or what they struggle with. Um, but it's cool just like hearing it. And, um, you always pick up something new every time you, you have that conversation and um, it's just something to think about going forward.
0: For sure. Um, I've got one. Do you have any like ridiculous slash crazy stories from the majors or minors that you can share with us without um, you don't have to name any names or anything, but there are any wild stories that like, just blew your mind or just made you roll over laughing? Um,
1: I mean, there have been a lot of funny stories. Um, the minor leagues was a wild, wild place. It's just, just a crazy place. Um, I mean in two thousand in two thousand nineteen we had a uh, a player arrested and is still in jail <laughs> over something like awful, but like that 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 was just like the cherry on top of that year. We had like we had a lot of um, like players fighting coaches, coaches fighting players. We had like it was like it was like the the bingo on our bingo card. It was like the last two weeks of the season, and it was like oh he, someone got arrested. Oh, it yeah. was him. Okay, perfect bingo. Like got it. Like yeah, um, I, call,
0: I got bingo here. <laughs>
1: yeah gosh um but you know there it's (laughs) getting put on the spot there's i i can't really like remember one story or a couple stories but um that just to me is always just going to blow my mind that the guy that um got arrested in 19 is like still in his same like 10 by 10 cell that he's been in since september 2019
0: yeah so that was pretty serious thing that's crazy um,
1: yeah that wasn't that wasn't just a, a misdemeanor no that's like he's gonna be in jail for a long time oh, brother.
0: <laughs> uh well let's pivot from that i heard you're legit at paintball is are, are so is that your is that your like go-to hobby when you've got a couple hours to burn and and nothing else to do
1: that needs to get on my wikipedia i don't know if, if T. Allen needs to put that on my wikipedia or not we'll, but there's we'll some edits on there for you <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, that was Max Rossiter. I got to give credit where credit's due. Oh, Max Rossiter. That's a blast from the past. Um, I unique story about, about myself in paintball is, um, when I was in high school, I played baseball and was good at it and, um, knew that like my future was in baseball, but I also played a lot of paintball growing up. Um, like competitively, not, not that like woods ball stuff, but like when paintball was booming in like 2007 to like 2011, like paintball was booming, it was on ESPN. Yeah. The industry was crazy. Like there was a player that signed for hundred thousand dollars, and everyone was losing their mind. And um, I was on a team that um, we played Division three. So like how it went, it was like Division three, Division two, Division one, pro. And the team that I was on, I was part of the Division three, and they were making a push for everyone to go pro. Um, to like slide into the pro uh, division. And um, there was a point where like, I was already, I was practicing with this team like on Saturdays and then on Sundays, I was playing um, my travel ball, like travel baseball, knowing that I was going to play baseball eventually, but I wanted to ride out this paintball train as long as I could. Um, And they were like, if we're making this push, we, we need you to practice like Saturday and Sunday and we need you to like commit to these tournaments and it was like my junior year of high school, like end of my junior year, or like right before the baseball season started and I said like I couldn't, this was like I just committed to Arizona State, and I was like I'm sorry but I can't, and that was like the last time I played paintball, so I could have potentially gone pro in paintball, like I could have potentially said no to baseball and gone pro. And that would have wow. been the worst decision in the history of sports. Yeah, I was going to say financially, <laughs> but, I think
0: you made the right call there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it was, at the time it was booming. Like at the time it was like, I, like, it was never like I would be the best or I would like, I would be part of the pro team. I never thought I would be part of the pro team of the team that I was on. Like, like I said, I was in division three and I would have been pushed to division two and then who knows, like, then I would have been on the D one team, and maybe the pro team, but, but it was like, it was so crazy that like they were making that push and i loved it it's fun it's a because i was tall and slow and like i didn't have to be super athletic i could just like chill in the back and like fill the snake if i need to but like um, but i had a lot of fun with it i played like competitively i played probably for like three or four years and then i didn't pick up a paintball gun for years um just because like i i got rid of all my stuff um my my dad moved from our like childhood house to like an apartment. He was like downsizing when my brothers came out. So like he asked, like, "What do you want me to do with all your paintball stuff?" And I said, "Just like give it to someone that needs it." And he works, he works with Marines, and a Marine wanted like paintball stuff. So I was like, "All right, give it to him." Like I don't need it anymore. I'm not holding. I'm not going to sell it. Like I don't need to hold on to it. Like it's like a prized possession. I have my jerseys still, like, but that's cool. Nice. But, um, but uh, last year in spring training before we got shut down, Chris Archer took um all the pitchers uh paintballing. So it was like the first time I like got to go paintballing in like almost 10 years, like almost 10 years. And I was like, so fired up. I was like, I was like getting the itch back. I was like, I was fiending for more paintball. And I was like, Hey, we have an off day coming up next week. Like let's go back again. Yeah, let's and we did it. Cause we got, we, we, yeah, well we got shut down. we got shut down. So you couldn't do it, but it's, it's something that um, I had a lot of fun during the time that I played. Um, am I glad that I stuck with baseball? Like, yeah, I'm very glad I stuck with baseball. Sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. who is,
0: who is your boy on, on the pirates? Did you have a, uh, did you guys have like assigned seats when you sit in the, in the dugout and when you're sitting there, or is it just grab a seat where you can <laughs> find it and chill?
1: Uh, both, both. I think, um, you like find your spot. And like, if someone's in your spot, it's kind of like, that's strange. Like, you know, like, in, in like college, you go to college class, like everyone kind of sits in the same spots and like, if you show up to class and you're like, dude, that's not your spot, but it's not assigned seating, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, the pitching staff is really tight um, together. We all came together, up through the minors together, and we all like – and we and we also um, – we also grew up in the big leagues together, so we were um, able to get really close. And um, unfortunately, this offseason, everyone dispersed. Everyone either got traded away or um, – and, and just a lot – not just the pitchers, but the guys that like – There's probably seven of us that all came up together in the big leagues in 2016, and um, I think – there's like three there still. Wow. Nice. Yeah.
0: Well, sweet, man. Um, I think that was all the questions I had. Haim, do you have any more questions?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to follow up. You said earlier that you're big into American history. If you had a, what, do you have a favorite like, era in American history, Trevor? A favorite era that I like to study or a favorite era I'd like to go back to? Uh, let's go, go back to um uh, I think we're in a pretty good era right now like I think it would be awful being without like an iPhone <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean like real. like I talked talk to a lot of like a lot of older players not older players but like players that are like you know 10 years older or even coaches it's like you couldn't like say no like I'm, I'm not going to show up to this thing like you just said like hey I'll meet you there at 1 30 and if you're not there sorry you know yeah. <laughs> like just like the, the escape and I've had teammates that like have tried the whole flip phone thing and they've gotten stuck in in certain parts of the cities because they can't call Uber. That's like, yeah, like this is like this is a yeah. miracle. It's a 21st century miracle. Like let's just stick with this thing. Yeah, let's take um, at my I got here. Right, 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 right. My uh, my specialty like what I got my degree in was post um, post Oh my gosh, what was it called? Um, it's after World War II. It's called oh, postmodern US American history. So World War II and up, like okay. with a specialty in um, with a specialty in the Cold War and like the Cold War era. Um, so that's what I like the most. Um, but I'll cool. study. I like I like uh, Civil War history. I like I like a lot of American history, but like my specialty and like what my final paper was on was like Cold War America. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. I wouldn't want to go back to Cold War America. No. Woulda.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Do. You- <laughs> So was, do you think the moon landing was real or
1: no? I don't think the moon's real. So you're, are you one of those people that thinks the moon's real?
0: <laughs> you just took <laughs> a step on me. The moon
1: is not real? Wow. <laughs> I don't think the moon's real. No, I'm not being cold. I'm not conspiratorial at all. Um, it's, it's um
0: go down a wormhole there i was like all right i'm in
1: <laughs> no that's that's been like one of my favorite responses to like you think the moon landing was faked and it's like Well, oh, you are you one of the guys that think the moon's real you're you're a moon truther interesting
0: good, <laughs> yes <laughs> all right man True. well we appreciate having you on again check out project 34.com all spelled out but that might be subject to change here. If we can, if we can get some, uh, <laughs> some listeners to take some action for us, but thanks again, Trevor, we really appreciate having you on and hopefully we can get you on maybe halfway through the season, maybe all-star break. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah, That'd be a blast. Thanks guys.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks, thanks Trevor. You, man. Have a good one.
1: Peace and love.